0: Dear Tim, the good gift that was entrusted to me, I now hand over to you. Guard this gift, grow it, and pass it on to those to come. A few months ago, a friend of mine invited me over to go on a camping trip, to go over to Waitafata Tramway, have any of you guys ever been there before? One person, awesome, so it does exist. Um, so they invited me to go, and don't be misled by my beard, I haven't spent all my life in the forest, but I've had some time. And um, being raised in California, we would go camping in the Redwoods growing up and I really, really enjoyed it. But when this person invited me to go, I realized there had been a big gap of time between when I was a kid. Now, but I thought, you know what? I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna pack up my stuff. I can do this. We're gonna go into the bush for a weekend. And it's gonna be awesome. We're gonna go hunting. We're gonna sh- shoot something. And um, we get out there, and I realized, okay, maybe I'm not as prepared as I thought I was. Um, I got the big backpack on. I've got my shoes on, everything else. I'm ready to go. And the beginning goes pretty well, you know, getting out there, getting into the mud, getting into the rocks. And then before we know it, we get to this point where there's a curve in the road or curve in the path. And I'm standing there and there's a sign that says either you can go a few more meters this way and there's a bridge going over this river Or if the river's low you can cross here through the water now My friend of course is from here and a little bit more Spry and he said no, let's just do it. Let's just go through the water here I'm gonna take off my shoes follow me. We'll do it this way So I watch him he takes off his shoes and just nimbly because crosses across the river and it's all really good makes it look really easy I take off my shoes my pale feet put the shoes over my neck you know and I get out there and before right before I know it I'm feeling all these really slippery rocks you know how it is and um or maybe you don't but I get onto this one rock and I'm thinking this better hold me because I got to put all my weight on it and of course it doesn't and I slip I bang up my knee bang up my foot And everything goes into the water. My whole pack just slides in, my shoes fall in. The only shoes I brought, and of course, are ultra-absorbent. Who knew? They don't sell ultra-absorbent shoes. But I found out these are ultra-absorbent. Everything gets wet. So I try as quickly as I can to get out of the water, try to make it as nimbly as he did across the, the river. Of course it wasn't, it was very wet. And I get across and I'm thinking, I can do this. We'll finish this out, it's gonna be okay. So I put my wet shoes on, get my backpack back on, and I'm just thinking when we get to the, to the campsite, I know all my things are gonna be sopping wet. So we get there, I unpack everything, my underwear, my socks, my extra pair of pants, everything is wet, my sleeping bag is wet. Ah, but you know what? I put everything back on the line, we let it dry, it didn't dry, and we made it through the weekend and we had a great time. The next day we spent the whole day hiking and looking for animals, didn't get anything, but we had a wonderful time. And hiking out, you know, I was just thinking, Lord, this is like a metaphor for life, you know? even sometimes our spiritual life, where we wish that life was like this. You know, you think, I like to walk on the road following Jesus, and I'm, you know, I want to know where I'm going, and I want to know what I'm facing, and it's going to be great, but more often than not, it looks like this. <laughs> and you know, as funny as that is, we all recognize that. The Bible doesn't hide that, that our life is going to have surprises. There's going to be turns where you have no idea what's coming, and life will look like this, as we, even as we continue to move forward We will face challenges that maybe we weren't prepared for, things we didn't expect to happen. But this shouldn't discourage us from saying yes to Christ. And that's what we've been talking about as we've been going through 2 Timothy. There's an unexpected guy that had a quote, this guy, that actually I found very inspiring and has actually influenced a lot of people. Now does anyone know who this is? It's not a Movember ad, even though he has a very nice mustache. This is Friedrich Nietzsche. Not a big celebrity in churches. He was a German philosopher, a nihilist or nihilist, and um, not a very big fan of religion in general. But he said something really profound in his book *Beyond Good and Evil*. He says the essential thing in heaven and in earth is apparently that there should be a long obedience in the same direction. There thereby results and has always resulted in the long run something which has made life worth living: a long obedience. In the same direction and that's what we're going to be talking about tonight is what does it mean to have this long obedience in the same direction as christians what does it mean to say yes to christ even though it looks like the curvy road and to say i'm going to keep moving forward even though i don't know what's going to happen and that's what we've been talking about for the past few weeks if you guys have been coming to this series of dear tim we've been seeing this as paul has been talking to tim about what he can expect as he continues to follow christ why don't we go ahead and pray as we begin? Lord, I thank you for tonight. And Lord, I, that last worship song always gets me. And then, of course, these testimonies. Lord, you are so good. Thank you, Lord, that we are free to come into your presence, Lord. We don't have to be afraid. Lord, it's such an honor to worship you. It's such an honor to be in relationship with you, Lord. And we, we ask that as we continue on this journey of, of going through this incredible letter, addressed to Timothy, Lord, that you would continue to speak to us. Humble us, Lord. Keep us open to what you want to speak to us about. And Lord, we pray, Lord, that this would not be something that we just take and let it go once we leave this church, but Lord, we would take it with us and let it impact us and change us to be more like you. That's what we want. That's why we're here. So Father, we thank you again that your word is alive and you say that it will not return void when it is spoken. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. In this letter, we have seen Paul lay out once again what he has learned when it means to follow Christ. As the letter has progressed, Paul has been sharing with Timothy some of the areas and people where he has faced opposition to the message of Christ. He's warned Timothy of the godlessness that he will see as he continues to serve him, but also challenges him to be a workman approved by God. The section that we're going to be looking at today, which is 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 10 through 17 if you have your Bibles or your telephones or if you've got it memorized. Um, this section by right now in my Bible is called Paul's Charge to Timothy. And it's actually kind of a two-parter. So tonight we're going to be looking at the first part. It's going to be a little bit of a biblical cliffhanger at the end. It's going to move effortlessly into next week. Um, but you get the impression as we've been going through this, That Paul has been talking to Timothy, and even as I've been reading through it and listening to the sermons that have already happened, it's almost like Paul is talking to Timothy in a classroom, a teacher to a student, sharing something, sharing meaningful things. But it gets to this point in this letter, this is when I use the chair, when it gets to this point where it feels like he's kind of just sitting in front of him and is addressing him specifically and intimately. And so we're going to look at that right now. So if you've got your Bibles, open up to 2 Timothy chapter 3, it says this, You, Timothy, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, and sufferings. What kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, the persecutions that I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted while evil men and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, Timothy, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you and because you know those from when you from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching. Rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Paul begins this section of the letter by kind of getting real with Timothy. He's spent this whole time, the first two chapters, really, if you've been here, being honest and sharing some hardcore things. Monica had the honor last week of um, having a really hardcore message, really digging into what it means especially with our hearts, to follow Christ. But here we see Paul coming to Timothy and pretty much saying, you know, all these things I've just said, Timothy, you know this already. You've seen my life. You've heard the stories of God's faithfulness from me, and you've experienced God's power firsthand. He then goes on to encourage Timothy and introduces this charge or task or duty which we'll look on to further that, he, that we will hear more about next week. But here in this section, there are four things that I want to look at before we look at how this applies to us. And the first thing I want to see or talk about is the fact that he talks to Timothy about perspective. Having the right perspective. In verses 10 through 13, Paul reflects on the fact that he and Timothy have history together. Timothy knows Paul's teachings. He reminds Timothy of the fruits of ministry as well as the real struggles that can be expected that the world is not perfect and that there will be a real opposition to the gospel. This is real. It's not unique to Paul, but it is something that all will face opposition to the gospel. But in all these things, and I love this, Paul has said that God has never, ever ceased to be God. God has never left him. God has always been faithful to deliver him. I love how Paul makes that such a point. In all these things, I don't want to dramatize what it means to follow God and make this huge, crazy story out of it. I want you to see that the end result is that God is faithful. God is with me. You are not alone. Paul is saying to Timothy, as you continue to walk with God, have the right perspective. Don't forget what God has taught you through my words and through my actions. The next thing he talks about is perseverance. Immediately in verse 14a, Paul says, In light of the full reality of what you have witnessed in my life and in yours, continue on. Do not slow down or get distracted or get off course. But instead, and do not be discouraged when you experience what I've experienced, but stay moving forward. Persevere. Keep going. One of the things to keep in mind as Paul is talking to Timothy right now is that they actually have a history. And Timothy is intimately aware of some of the things that Paul has gone through in his past. Earlier in this section in verse 11, Paul references the persecutions that he experienced in many places, and one of them is Lystra. Am I saying that right? Okay, good. Yes. Lystra. In Acts 14, we see Luke talking about Paul's journey in Lystra, specifically and talking about how Paul was persecuted big time. He was stoned and left for dead in Lystra. And Timothy was living there at that time. Later on, we see that Paul returns back to Lystra only to meet Timothy, who is following Christ, and invites him to join him in his ministry. You see, serving alongside Paul, Timothy had seen perseverance modeled for him. It wasn't just theory that Paul had been saying, hey, here's some stories about my life. No, Timothy had witnessed it. And Paul is saying, you do the same. You've seen me, you've seen my life, I've shared it with you, you do the same. Persevere. Next, and I love this, because we see this again, this has been going on already. Oh, it did not go through. Is community. Earlier on, Paul talks about the relationship that Timothy was blessed to be raised in, with his grandmother, grandmother Lois, and his mom, um, Eunice, both believers. Timothy had the incredible privilege of having his legacy of faith modeled for him as he grew up. Paul is pointing out to Timothy that you did not go through this journey alone, but you've actually been raised and surrounded by people that love the Lord. That's a blessing that not everybody has. Timothy has been surrounded by a community of fellow disciples who have also taught and modeled what it means to follow God. See, in light of Paul's encouragement to persevere, it is then also a blessing to be reminded that he is not alone. Persevere and remember that you've got people around you that are walking with you. And lastly, again, this is kind of the cliffhanger for the section. Um, Paul talks about discipline. What does it mean to submit to Scripture? For Paul, the Scriptures are a lens through which Timothy must see the world. Just like he has, he's saying, look at the scriptures for truth. Look at the scriptures for teaching and for rebuking and for direction. The discipline of submitting to scripture will empower Timothy to have the right perspective in all things and will enable him to persevere as he follows Christ. One thing I like about this is that, you know, Paul could have left it here and not even talked about the scripture, but I think Paul was very aware that as humans, we like to raise up people. We look for people that we can kind of idolize quite literally. And I think Paul's recognizing, you, you know my testimony and you know all the things that I've gone through and how God's been faithful, but you need to recognize it's not because of anything within me that I'm able to do this. It's not because of anything that I have that you don't. It's because of God. Paul didn't even have to point out the scripture. And I love that he did. He says, this is my source. Remember this. You guys know he's, he's in prison right now. <laughs> He's writing his last letter. He's he's going to be going towards death very soon. And he's saying, you need to know it is always about God. Always. I don't want to leave this world in any way giving in the impression that it's because of anything that I have. No. Look to the scriptures. Look to the word of God. That's the source. That's where you will receive teaching. Go there. So, For me, again, one of the things that I love about the Word of God is that we always have to look at it and say, what does this mean to me? How does this apply to me? This isn't meant to just be entertainment. It's not meant to be um, just something to fill our time with. It's actually supposed to be something that transforms us. So I want to look at a few things that this applies to us. So, If you're taking notes, the first thing is, where's the fight? Where is the fight? For me, this is a tough one because it comes up with the word persecution. And I'm being raised in America and now living here. I've been blessed to live in places where I'm not really persecuted for my faith. And so looking at this and hearing Paul say this thing about being a promise that you will be persecuted, I really wrestle with this. Because I know I know people that actually have been truly persecuted in the countries where they live. People that are being serving as missionaries in other places and they're experiencing it. I get their newsletters. And here I am and I'm saying, God, you promised me persecution, but... I'm not experiencing it. One of the things that's, <laughs> I was debating whether or not to tell the story, but there's a, a guy that was a pastor of mine for many years and he was talking about how there's people that he's come across that, you know, they say, oh, I'm trying to share my faith with somebody today. And I, I was telling them, you know, if they need to turn their life around, you know, they, need to, they need to give up their sin, you know, they need to come to Jesus or they're going to go to hell. And they didn't like it. And they said, they don't want to be my friend anymore. I feel so persecuted. (laughs) And he would say, you know, sometimes it's just because you're being a jerk. (laughs) Sometimes you're just being a jerk. That's not persecution. Another way of saying it, I was reading an article this week. There's a guy that was talking about this topic specifically. And he was warning the Western church about our perspective of persecution. And he says, especially in this specific instance, like I just gave, that this isn't persecution, this is inconvenience. Let's not confuse that for persecution. Let's have wisdom when we share the gospel and discernment. I think for me, one of the challenges has been that what we shouldn't do is, because we live in a place where maybe we're not experiencing the same persecution like Paul did, is to say that we should have less passion for what God's calling us to do. What we shouldn't do is think that just because we don't necessarily live in a country or a context where we risk our lives by sharing the gospel That this gives us the freedom to not be passionate about people coming to know Jesus. I believe we should press into God even more, asking God, show me in this context how to lay down my life in show me what it means to die to myself when I share about your love in my school. How do I die to myself when I share about you in my job or in my family? How do I do that? I feel like I'm given so much freedom to just relax how can I retain and grow in that passion and literally die to myself so that people can know you here? There is hostility towards the gospel here, it just looks different. Say, God, how do I live my life with passion here? The next thing is that we should never stop, never stopping. Whoa. I know that was a movie that came out recently, and I've always liked that title. Never stop, never stopping in light of what I just said about having passion, is that we need to be aware of the temptation towards apathy. And Paul was talking to Timothy about this. Keep moving forward. For Paul, this is a thing that's consistent in his writings. We see it over and over again. Just a couple examples in Philippians. We're aware of these passages. In Philippians 3, verses 12 through 14, not that I have already obtained this or I have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And later on in Hebrews 12, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great crowd of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. As some of you know, my wife and I, Wendy, had a, um, a season before we moved here that was really difficult for us. I won't go into detail, but it lasted about a year or two, and it was really, really hard. Um, I found myself in a place where I was kind of at a standstill with my relationship with God, I'm being honest. It was a really kind of a big pause in my life. I was at a standstill with my relationship with, with Wendy, and with others, and in my own personal development, I felt like I just stopped. And during that time, some of us, some of the people that were around us really didn't know what to do. They were really confused, and this led to conflict and misunderstandings and unnecessary drama. But then there was other people, and I'm not saying they cared for us more or less than the others, but they saw us, and they saw the situation, and they could relate to it. And they said, keep moving forward. We'll walk with you. We've been where you are. Let's do this together. This reminder of of keeping on moving forward and to not do it alone was a huge part of my development and my healing is that God used people to say, you know what? You may be in a difficult spot in your life right now, but it doesn't mean that we stop altogether. Let's continue doing this and we'll do it together. And that brings me to the last point, which is we're not supposed to go it alone. We are meant for community. I love, I love, I love that Paul talks about this with Timothy, like what a blessing. What a blessing to have that legacy around him. It was very similar for for me because my parents weren't raised in Christian homes. So I've got this legacy of my parents raising me and they're the first ones. And to have that and to be able to see I have that legacy with me. But one of the things I wanna look at, as much as it's tempting to look at community in that way, and I love talking about community, is I actually wanna look at the scripture as part of our community kind of as we get ready for next week, is that the word of God is alive and needs to be a voice in our community. It needs to exist as a voice in my life, a regular voice. I think sometimes we can relegate it to something we, again, we do on Sundays or relegate it to a book or relegate it to a devotional. But I want to see scripture as part of my community. It's something that I'm engaging with. It's a person of God that I'm engaging with throughout my day. I've been reading re- recently, reading a book very slowly called *Who You Come Home. Has anyone heard of this book, *Who You Come Home by Jay Ruka? Wonderful, wonderful book from what I've read so far. Um, to put it simply, it looks back on the impact of the gospel when it first entered New Zealand from a Maori perspective. And there's a chapter that I'm looking at, and it's talking about the power of the Bible, the influence of the Bible in New Zealand's history. And Jay shares a quote from a Maori chief in the 1830s. And he says this, the chief says this, We have often had things come, which we thought good, cask of rum, barrels of gunpowder, and boxes of muskets. But what has now come is to teach us not to drink rum, not to set fire to powder, not to use muskets, but to do good forever and ever. Our hearts are sick for the word of God. We desire it more than axes, hatchets, or blankets. Our hearts are sick for the word of God. Isn't that beautiful? That's not just a book. That's not just a a tradition. That's alive. It has changed their life. It has spoken to their innermost desires and they're sick for it. I don't, I can't say this. (laughs) I know what it's like to feel sick in love for my wife. I know what it's like to long for her presence, but to have that for the presence of the word of God, so much so that it changes my life drastically. I don't want to go it alone in my relationship with God and not, not have the word of God as a voice in my life. Are our hearts sick for the word of God? Do we desire it above all else? Do we value it more than things that, are, that, that tempt us to give us meaning or value or pleasure? I want to bring up the band. Is there another song? The band can start making the way back up. But um, while I was praying for this, this service, one of the things that came to mind as I was praying was this picture, and it's, it's, a, it's for some specific people here tonight, and I just want to throw it out there. I was just praying about what does it look like to have this long obedience in the same direction? What does it look like to, to hear the way that Paul is speaking to Timothy and saying, don't give up, keep going? And I just was reminded of um, that there's some of us, me included, that have been raised in the church. Some of us that have that legacy of being raised with Christian parents, or at least raised in the church context, and it's all we know. And I got this picture, and I'm hoping it doesn't sound harsh. It was like an arranged marriage. If you've got an arranged marriage, usually the parents will say, this is going to be your spouse. Sometimes at an early age, they tell you, you will marry this person. And I feel like for some of us, our relationship with God was given to us and said, this will be your future. God will be your, this will be your God and we're raised with that, and we're not saying that we don't believe it, but it's become very normal, and we've learned to do the rhythm of life, and I look at the way that Paul is speaking to Timothy, and I am convinced it's more than just a rhythm that he was raised with, but it's something that transforms himself and transforms the world around him, and I want to encourage those of us that maybe have been raised in the church and maybe are looking towards the next season of life, whether it be going to university or getting married or getting a new job, that we say, God, I don't want this to just be background noise. I'm not talking about you. Lord, I don't want my faith to just be background noise, but I want it to be something that transforms me. Lord, I see the, the, I see the charge that Paul's giving Timothy, Lord, and I, I hear that for myself. So Father, I do pray for us tonight for those of us that are new to our faith and those of us that have been following you for ages. God, that you would speak that passion into us again, Lord. We want to have that, Lord. We don't want to just go through the rhythm. Timothy was not going through the rhythm and I love, Lord, that Paul modeled what it means to not go through the rhythm but to live a transformed life. So, Father, I pray for us tonight, Lord, as we have this long obedience in the same direction, Lord. Lord, that you would refine our perspective. Keep us focused on what's good and what's true and what's right. Lord, that you would give us what we need to persevere, Lord, and to be in community with others and with your word. Lord, this is such a powerful letter. We want to be transformed, Lord, by your word. Just like Paul was encouraging the same thing to Timothy, Lord. So we, we pray for this tonight, God. Soften our hearts. Make us sick for your word, Lord. Thank you, Lord.